You're listening to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. If you want to have guarantees, you have to buy a washing machine. Either we win or we learn, and today we learn. It's in field to Mane, 25 yards out. Lovely ball for Pella. Onside, 1 0. Big bass shot. Oh my word. It's unbelievable. He ran around the pitch like Bambi on ice. It was very, very embarrassing to watch. And now, your host, Matt Markstone. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast and newsletter dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans, and available right here on SouthamptonDelivery.com. My name is Matt Markstone. I am the host of the show. I'm also sick, but no matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, whether this is your first time or you've been here before, thanks for making the show a part of your day. I hope that you enjoy it, and I hope that you were well, and I hope that you were looking forward to my conversation with Freddie from The Ugly Inside. Uh, a longtime friend of the show, longtime personal friend as well, uh, having uh, really shown me the ropes on an away day. I would have been totally lost without him. Uh, probably would not have been able to get on the tube in time to actually make the game, nor would I have found a ticket. So, uh, oh, Freddie, a lot. Always good to catch up with him. Um, but this is the most hungover I've ever been uh, doing an episode of the show. And I'll just be really, really honest with you. And uh, I, you, know, you listen to me now. You can tell probably that I'm sick. Uh, I know that I'm sick. I was more sick on Sunday morning uh, when I talked to Freddie. I was also more hungover. And uh, I apologize for that. Um, combination of, um, you know, just sickness and then celebrating the Astros getting into the World Series, which is no small feat uh, for those of you who don't watch baseball. Uh, the World Series is what you try to win every year. It is the thing that your team should be shooting for if your team is good. Um, the Astros, who were bad for most of my life, are pretty good. And we're back. And so hopefully they take it back. That's been their slogan all year. Take it back because they won it two years ago, did not win it last year, uh, going to try to win it again this year. Uh, So four more wins in the season and they are champions, but that's not why we're here. We're here to talk about Saints 1-1 draw with Wolves, which I think any of us would have taken uh, before the game even started. Um, But Freddie and I try to flush it all out. Uh, Freddie keeps me on track uh, quite well. So thank you, Freddie, for, I guess, remotely hosting the show. Uh, hopefully you do not hear, uh, the people that I stayed with, um, the hot tub that people were, uh, not using, but it kept turning on to, uh, I don't know, heat up. I guess that's what hot tubs do. Uh, ask the guys at happy hot tubs, but that's not this show. That is the total saints podcast. So, uh, you know, uh, ask Ben your questions. I don't know how this stuff works anyway. Uh, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy it. And if this is your first ever episode, um, try again next week. Hopefully you like it. Uh, and if you've been around for a while. Thanks for your support. We'll talk to you soon. We'd like to welcome back to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, Freddie from The Ugly Inside. You will recognize his voice, hopefully, as long as it sounds normal, uh, from the YouTube channel and also from the radio and everywhere else. And he's been on this show plenty of times before. But uh, Freddie, welcome back to the show and thanks for joining me. Uh, good to be here. Um, I think you're probably a bit worse where than I am to be honest today, mate. It's, you're probably right. Um, <laughs> if I am both sick and, uh, I won't lie. I'm very hungover, but, uh, we are going to do this. I have two cups of coffee, a crap little water, 
and I would send you a picture of the uh, the recording space, but it may contain illicit materials and therefore will not be displayed publicly. <laughs> well, as they say, we've got to sort of uh, plug away, haven't we? We've got to, got to crack on. That's right. Normally I would try to hide this, but there's no, there's no hiding at this time. Um, and I guess I, I will say I celebrated more than just the point against Wolves, but uh, we'll have to get to, to all of that. Um, of course, if you want to follow you, uh, the ugly inside on Instagram or Twitter, you're at the ugly inside on Twitter and at the ugly inside 1988 on Instagram. And of course the YouTube channel and everything else, there are links to those in the show notes below, but, um, yeah, it's been good to kind of catch up with you a little bit and I'm, I'm looking forward to discussing yesterday's game and, uh, kind of all the new things you guys are doing this season with you. Yeah, let's do it. Well, I, I guess to get started, uh, the channel, the YouTube channel has changed slightly this season uh, and that you guys went to a, uh, a more live format. So, I mean, it, you're, we're a couple of weeks in now. Um, you've, you've had a chance to kind of test this out and, and figure it out. And, and how are you finding the live recording in, in terms of uh, uh, how it's going for the channel and how it's going for you personally? Uh, yes, yeah, so we decided to move to sort of live preview shows. To, a couple of reasons why to kind of uh, eliminate sort of, sort of a what the workload or reduce the workload on my capacity because I spend almost all of my week uh, producing, filming, editing, you know, uploading uh, towards the previous show on a, on a sort of two days before kickoff. So we've moved it to a live show just so that I can reduce my workload and so it isn't, so it isn't consuming my life, which it has been sort of for the last 18 months since we've been producing these, uh, these preview shows. Um, and I guess it also allows us to engage with our community a little bit more on, on YouTube. So it's good in that respect. And we've been sort of, uh, sort of using this, uh, live streaming sort of web-based alternative to go straight to YouTube and it's, and it's working well so far. We can get our comments up on screen. You know, we've got sort of, we can do a split screen. Uh, the only thing is that there is no more sort of gimmicks or green screen introductions. Um, because now I don't, I don't want to find time for it to be honest. Um, and there is no sort of cutaways. Uh, so if you look back on some of our videos and our previous shows, we tend to talk about things and then I cut away to images or little clips of the previous game. So there's, so there's less of that. So it's really sort of just a straightforward kind of chat preview show. And then it'll be made, made available to download as a podcast. So you can consume it in other ways. And now I'll be honest, that's how I get most of them. It's, I enjoy podcasts. Obviously I, I do this one, but, um, that is, it is, I find it much easier to, listen while I'm driving or doing the dishes or whatever than to sit down and watch a video. Um, I guess, has anybody complained or, or commented on the, on the lack of cutaways or anything like that? Anybody complaining about that aspect of it or, or are people relatively happy with uh, the fact they get to interact with you kind of live on, on this stuff? Nobody's actually mentioned anything about sort of the images and cutaways and B rolls. Um, so to, to that respect is, there's no sort of loss. Uh, but you know, we seem to have a regular sort of, uh, sort of fans that appear on our, on our chat, on our comments, live feed, sort of view every time we run a, a live show. Hopefully, sort of, uh, they've got their notifications sort of turned on and they're subscribed along. And, you know, we're getting comments from across the world, not just sort of people from the UK, but we've had comments from people who tuning in live on, on their mornings in Australia, you know, people tuning in sort of on their lunch break over in the US. So it's great to see our, the fans sort of engage with us in that capacity. That's awesome. And I guess it goes to show you kind of sometimes we don't even realize what people are really showing up for sometimes we think we have to do kind of these extra little things to that we think make it better. And maybe it does, but 
uh, in in reality, I think people are there for uh, they're there because maybe there's a connection with the, the host, or maybe there's a connection with the channel, or maybe there's they're just there because they want some some info and some news. So uh, you guys are still doing that. And um, additionally, you guys are also on the radio every match day now. Um, and uh, how are you? How can people find that? And how are you finding that? Yeah. So I mean, firstly, we've all got a face for radio anyway, so it's right up our street. Uh, so we're now on Voice FM, which is a local Southampton station, but you can tune in across the world on the TuneIn Radio app. So you can pick it up sort of on on your holidays in the Seychelles if you, if you wanted to. Uh, and, you know, perhaps if you want to pick it up in California, you can go to the TuneIn Radio app on 103.9 Voice FM. Uh, and so we chat about the, the previous game, our preview uh, for the next game. Uh, sort of we'll talk about the verdicts. We talk about our latest news. We've, we've resurrected the old infamous ins and outs, which is a, a regular sort of column, uh, a couple of spreads on the old sort of fanzine pages where we used to take a, a, a tongue-in-cheek look at things uh, in, in, in the latest week. So, for example, uh, obviously, uh, last week, uh, out would have been sort of international racist, which is totally, totally disgraceful. So that will always be out, uh, unacceptable sort of behaviour. But uh, also out that week as well was uh, hair appointments uh, because Clive ducked out the show sort of last week to go home for a, 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 an appointment at home for his barber. So... We, we take uh, we, we give each other a bit of stick, you know, poke fun at things. So it's nothing to be taken too seriously. Well, that's I mean, that sounds good. It sounds like that's what we should be doing. You know, we should make sure we're enjoying it. We should try to, uh, you know, I don't know. I think that's what it's all about. So that sounds that all sounds um, pretty good. And and we'll put links to all those things in the show notes. But uh, I guess moving on a little bit towards yesterday's game, uh, you made the trip. Uh, long trip, two and a half, three hours, right uh, on, on the train and not a not a cheap one either. No, not at all. So, um, Wolverhampton, uh, we managed to get our train sort of direct, but some people may have had to sort of divert off uh, of uh, sort of Banbury. But we had to split our tickets four times, and we managed to get our train travel about £36 with a rail card. I had a sort of a, a young kind of person's card. Some of our friends had a senior citizen's card, and others had network rail cards, which still gets you a bit of a discount. But basically, your route had to be split because it reduces the cost of the train travel because UK companies or sort of providers for the train services, the longer you stay on a direct service, the, the more expensive it becomes. So if you hadn't had a rail card, you would have looked at about a, a train price of around 60 or 65 pounds, which is totally, you know, uh, extortionate. Yeah, that's, <clears throat> that sounds terrible. Um, I think that's what it cost my entire family to go from London to Southampton. Uh, one day, and that's because we bought it, I think, on the day of. So that sounds mm. just absolutely awful. So uh, hopefully, uh, well, I, I guess the only good part of that is it, it got you there well before uh, you know the BBC Radio Solent guys rolled up uh, because of all of the uh, the traffic. Yeah, we saw that. We um, sort of cheekily kind of uh, interacted with the post, if you like, but uh, they, they managed to turn up, didn't they? Just before the teams were were emerging from the tunnels and. Would have been a certainly different show if it were maybe sort of us on on the live commentary, or perhaps uh, you know sort of John from the from the Saints FC podcast who also picked up uh, did, uh, met up with uh, sort of at the ground as well. So good to see them, and uh, you know I don't think we probably would, we, we would have been allowed because we're we're very much an uncensored opinion kind of uh, commentary. So uh, we would have got plenty of offcom complaints if we were on the BBC solo commentary. Well, they would have just had to put a little bit more of a delay on there and uh, go, go mute every once in a while. It would have been all right. Uh-huh. And it could have been, could yeah. have been the big break. You know, you never know. Well, we'll keep tripping away. We'll keep doing our things. And I think that's 
probably the uh, the the uh, USP, if you like, the unique selling point of our kind of uh, channels. You know, we're unfiltered. Everybody everybody can have an opinion from all walks of life, and uh, we're trying not to be that sort of professional kind of commentary. We're just saying it how it is, saying it how we see it. Absolutely, I think that's I think that's what I like about it. So that's that's good. But um, I don't know. You want to give me your unfiltered opinion on yesterday's lineup when you when you first saw it? Uh, what were your first kind of uh, what were your first kind of thoughts as you as you uh, see the lineup that was Angus Gunn, Jan Valerie, Jan Benrak, Yannick Vestergaard, Maya Yoshida, Ryan Bertrand across the back line, then Romeu, Hoiberg, Praus, and then Redmond and Ings. Uh, what what did you make of that as you as you saw it? Uh, five three two, wasn't it? Sort of on paper. Uh, five at the back once again. And I think sort of I wasn't expecting Vestergaard to be in there as well, not for a recall, especially sort of at Wolves. I think we could have. I mean, had you asked me before the game, I would have taken a point. But as it played out, I think. Um, it was a fair result, but from the lineup, I think we should have started with Alex McCarthy. Uh, I think it's about time that he had a chance back in the starting eleven. You know, Ralph took uh, Shea Adams away from the limelight or the spotlight. Uh, maybe he rested him, uh, or just to take him away from the pressure of sort of playing in the first team. So I think perhaps Angus Gunn could have had some of that treatment. Alex McCarthy a little bit older, a little bit more sort of confident, composed, if you like. Um, and I was surprised to see Angus in in in, in goal yesterday. Uh, Vestergaard, not sure he warranted a recall either. And I think probably took away kind of our, our, our attacking impetus uh, because we, we sort of uh, sacrificed that approach with an extra defender on the pitch yesterday. Uh, do you think it had anything to do with potentially just trying to match Wolves' formation at all and just trying to provide coverage? Or, I mean, you look at some of the guys we had on the bench, you know, we could have had Adams out there, we could have had Buffal out there, um, or even Stuart Armstrong, who had a decent international break, even though he was a late call up. I mean, there were a lot of other things we, he could have done, and it looked like a lot of people. I think a lot of people going into yesterday would have taken a point to begin with, no, no without any question. When I think when people saw the lineup, there was a lot of um, people weren't. I don't think overly happy with with the selection and with the team. Um, and I think we keep yeah, we keep hoping for something different, but really, it's a lot of the same players that we've seen over and over and over. Uh, maybe they've all slightly improved, but um, you know, it's still the same team and. I know a lot of people were also really upset with uh, with Gunn being being there. They thought that McCarthy should have probably come in after some of the mistakes that Gunn has made, but um, it, it didn't happen. And uh, I guess would you say just on the basis of the fact that we we got out of there uh, how we did? Would you said that was uh, that was fair? I think um, I think as, as you as you kind of highlighted that we've almost sort of uh, tried to match Wolves' approach yesterday. They they set up with again with a sort of three five two five three two, which they have been recently. And that's partly down to perhaps why the game was a bit of a stalemate, to be honest. Uh, you know, I, I think going forward, we didn't have too much threat. I think we had, we were quite ponderous in possession. We had the reluctancy to shoot with a sight and goal, and that's really what the the boys need to be driven into them because we're not taking that chance. And, they, and we're seeing almost as kind of, kind of the same kind of bad habits that are re-emerging. For, uh, with these, with this set of players that were highlighted under sort of well, Pellegrino, Hughes for the last sort of two, three years, and for the most part, it is the same team. So, um, well, when I was speaking to somebody yesterday after the game, um, they made a fair comment, and it was sort of uh, you can't polish a turd. Uh, it was just, it's the same kind of uh, uh, players that are, are, are making these same mistakes, and, and Ralph is a good manager, but I think. We need some inspiration uh, for the personnel on the pitch. Yeah, it, it is. It is essentially just the same guys, and you, you can only do so much with them. And as you said, the the game. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to recall too many chances that we had, and it was. I, but I was also never really feeling like we were 
defensively solid, you know? Um, I thought, I guess if, if I was going to pick somebody out that I thought had a, a pretty good game, um, given what they were having to do defensively, I thought Bertrand was pretty good against Traore yesterday. Um, and I thought that he um, did, did a pretty good job. But I guess if, if you were going to pick out one positive, would it be uh, maybe the third kits being displayed for the first time this season? Or, or do we have to actually look for a player or or uh, some sort of performance or something in the game that, that was uh, was worth it to, to really discuss in, in detail? You know, I was I was hoping for us to really sort of have a barnstorming performance yesterday and and and, and create the headline "Knights in White Satin," uh, as per the old sort of a uh, classic song. But it was very much a stalemate. And uh, I think the positives you've got to pull out of it is Danny Ings once again on the score sheet, fourth game in a row, and probably our best defender so far this season has been a video assistant referee. There it is. There it is. That's the <laughs> that's what we were looking for there. And. Um, saved us, I think, twice yesterday, correct? Yeah, uh, two decisions for us. And I think it is the first time this season we've finally got a decision against us. So in that respect, we can take some confidence. We are top of the table in uh, uh, decisions sort of going for us. But, you know, it goes it goes both ways. You know, we, we will chant and we will sing VAR, VAR when it goes for us. But equally, people will shout and scream, holler and say, look, it's ruining the game if it goes against us. So I think it's about time. We've got some of this good karma because we had plenty of it over the last sort of two, three years as, as decisions were going against us quite obviously. Yeah. And I mean, thinking about it, it's, I don't know, I, I, we've, had a, we've had a lot going for us, I think, and, and Carlink on the, on the Athletic pointed that out uh, in, in an article recently. And so I think it's, it's you know, the, those decisions are bound to kind of even out over the, the course of the season. So I can't be overly upset. And I think you know, uh, we'll talk about the penalty decision in just a, just a little bit, but uh, let's let's go ahead and get to uh, kind of the start of the match, I guess. And so that early on in the game, when uh, Valerie was booked very early, uh, he, it was I think his second or third late tackle, um, and you could see he was just a, a little bit late and not quite up to it uh, t- from the start. And so to get booked that early, I, it's always worrying when you have a defender do that. But um, like I said. Uh, Troyari against Bertrand um, down our left hand side. I was really concerned because Troyari is just um, he has all that pace and and luckily not a lot else usually, um, but he is still a talented kind of footballer and, and somebody that's going to run at Bertrand probably by Bertrand especially if Bertrand's forward. Uh, of course, you have uh, you know the absolute opposite uh, sort of player in Vestergaard having to cover. Uh, that that space there for Troyer, so that was always going to be worrying to me. But um, it was pretty open there for the first couple of uh, minutes, for the first fifteen minutes. I felt like it was kind of just counterattack versus counterattack, and neither team really doing anything with it. But uh, a lot of running up and down the pitch. Yeah, I think we were we were quite happy to hold that ball, you know, build that possession up. But you know, we had no sort of an impetus in that final third. You know, we're quite happy to work it around the box. And as I said, you know, sort of a couple of minutes ago, we we were reluctant to take a shot on goal. But I think if you want to highlight Ryan Birch's performance yesterday, yeah, experienced kind of um, performance. You can like nullifying Adama Troyer, who scored obviously those two two great goals at the Etihad the uh, two three weeks ago now. And so you know, kept him quite a good performance from him. But if we want to highlight Jan Valery, um, I've, I've got to say, you know, he's, I think he is better going forward, and it's a worrying concern when he comes back because he's often clumsy. You know, often a bit hot headed. You know, we've seen that the sort of last season flying into tackles, but. You know, equally, he can pull out uh, a magical piece of uh, trickery, squirming his way through to the byline and pull it back uh, for Danny Ings for the Chelsea game. But, you know, and also those sort of magical moments, smashing that ball home uh, against Manchester United last season. So I think if, if, if we want to highlight his game in particular, I think he needs to work uh, more on his defensive duties. And I think 
that's partly down to why some people are suggesting that Cedric is an all-round better player. Uh, you know, defensively, won championships with uh, Portugal. I think defensively, braver than Jan Valerie. Not so much going forward. Uh, so well, they've both got strings to the bow, but I think all-round as a better player, it's, it's got to be Cedric. But uh, Valerie, you know, we don't expect him to be this this uh, already-made sort of player. He's still got plenty of years ahead, and I'm sure, hopefully, and he will stay for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you're mentioning the, the kind of lack of, of cutting edge going forward. And I think when you look at the formation, unless guys like Ward-Prowse or Hoiberg or Valerie were going to get forward um, and provide some extra options in the box, um, then we were always going to be, uh, it seemed like a lot of times it was Ings and maybe Redmond against you know, three or four Wolves defenders. And that's never going to result in us having a, a good day in front of goal. Unless, of course, you have substitute defenders passing the ball to Danny Ings. And it seemed like uh, Hoiberg played a couple of nice passes and Romeo played a couple of people in as well yesterday. But um, the Wolves defense, I think, undid themselves a little bit uh, a couple of times. But um, Wolves were forced into an early change. Uh, there was a leg injury to Bennett. Uh, no contact on it, so he has to come off. And I think that kind of uh, upsets their rhythm a little bit, but I will take that. Um, Ings also won a free kick shortly after that. Um, but, uh, you know, nothing nothing from it, unfortunately. And and I don't know if we were planning on ever getting anything from set pieces yesterday. I don't think that was going to be a, a, a thing for us. But um, I, I was a little bit disappointed yesterday with some of the uh, deliveries that Ward Prowse had. And it, everybody talks about the fact that he should be out there um, delivering those consistently. But it, it seems like in recent at least on my memory, that uh, he's been about average this year, this season. Uh, people there, I think there are people on other t- other teams who can deliver a better ball um, more consistently than he can. Even though um, every once in a while he gets uh, he gets it just right, and then you know it's a it's a real pleasure to watch. Yeah, that's a, that's a recurrent theme at the moment. Actually, Wall Prowse isn't much. A lot of people have been commenting. He doesn't offer much on the field apart from the set. set specialty you know uh, and it, it was quite frustrating again sort of for the most part yesterday I think it was the first time I've seen this season correct me if I'm wrong maybe this was the first time yesterday he actually uh, the ball went past the first man on the clearance from the corner which is yeah. so frustrating because you know we expect Warprouse is this specialty kicker if you want to look at sort of uh, NFL analogies and he could sort of come on and off uh, four set pieces so he makes himself look busy gets up and around the pitch uh, but he's not offering too much going forward at the moment. You know, he, he, although he, he did that sort of last season, kicked on with a few goals from open play, and that was sort of uh, his uh, uh, fear, not sort of a fear, but uh, things sort of brought, brought his play down, you know, the last sort of two, three years. He wasn't scoring goals from open play, but he opened that, those accounts sort of last season, but we haven't seen him sort of really kick on again this season. And, uh, I know if, if we've got Warprouse making himself look busy, but not doing much, and, and Hoiberg, for all his, all his work and effort, he's not great in the final third. Uh, and, and Romeo gets a nosebleed when he gets past the halfway line. So he, he, he you know, he collects the ball, pushes it on, um, passes it on quickly to the next man to, to, to move it forward. So I think we've got to try other options um, on Friday. Introduce Bufal either from the start or, or fr- earlier on. I'm sure we'll get to substitutions and the lateness of those once again. And Armstrong as well, you know, albeit a great goal against San Marino, who are bottom of the league in uh, the FIFA rankings, but good goal nonetheless. Perhaps he'd been watching Prowse's DVD, uh, free kick DVD collection. Uh, but I think Armstrong, again, look offers a bit more going forward. You know, he can score some fantastic goals, shown it last season. Uh, edge of the box, sort of uh, great goals, great finishes. So we've got to try something different um, next week. Yeah, I mean, I think though we, we talk about us not creating a lot of chances. We wound up with, 
you know, 14 shots compared to their four. Not that they were all great. Um, not, not even all of them got anywhere near the goalkeeper or, or worried him at all. But I, I think you're right. I think if you look at some of the options we have, especially in midfield, it, it's tough to look around the team and, and think in the kind of style and formation that we're playing, who's going to come in. Cause I don't think you can, I, I think you can maybe play uh, a, if you play three, four, three or four, three, three, then you can get some of those, those wide players. And if you play the four, two, 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 um, I think you can have guys like you can have Redmond and Ings up top or, or even uh, Ings and Adams. And you can also have, you know, maybe then you can sacrifice James Ward Prowse or uh, somebody else uh, in that midfield to get guy, two guys like maybe Stuart Armstrong and, and Redmond or maybe, uh, I guess maybe even Buffal and Armstrong behind them or something like that. I think you can, I think you could uh, potentially do that uh, behind the front too, depending on where Redmond goes, but it's, it's still this kind of weird thing where I think we're trying to cover for our, our lack of kind of defensive solidity and trying to uh, do it just with bodies out there that will, um, you know, track back and play defense versus guys who want to stay forward and, and you know, try to beat people on the dribble. Mm, but I've got, I've got to highlight a couple of things as well, actually. You know, there's, there's a constant uh, fear amongst us supporters at the moment. Why are we, why is sort of Ralph, uh, persisting with playing players out of position. Once again, we saw yesterday, albeit sort of about two or three minutes before Dancer was introduced, we put Ward Prowse at right back once again. He doesn't, he has no influence at all from that, that area of the pitch. And he's not a right wing back. Play him in a central position, get him higher at the pitch. But equally, you know, he brings on Dancer, who is not a right back, who is not a right wing back. He looked vulnerable uh, going up and down that, that side of the pitch. We've got to play him into their, into their positions. You know, it, it, we've said this two, three weeks on the row. You know, we've got to play square pegs in, in square holes, round pegs, round holes, play him in the natural positions, even if it means sacrificing the player that's that's been a, a servant for, you know, for more, for a, a, a good run of games or, or at least a few years. I think the defenders yesterday, um, I think were far too easily bamboozled by um, sort of Raul Jimenez or often some of the, the other creative uh, additions for Wolverhampton. You know, at sixes and sevens for some of the some of the opportunities yesterday, especially the, the second disallowed goal. Um, and you know, it, it's a worrying concern. I think that's ultimately not what is bringing us down. Is is our defensive naivety, our defensive lack of bravery, and a defensive lack of leadership again? Once once again, it's been our vulnerability. Yeah, before we, we move on to talk about, about um, the first disallowed go, I, I'd like to point out, we, we, Hoiberg had a pretty decent chance, uh, did all of the kind of good work, uh, getting the ball forward, laid the ball off to Ings, Ings got it back to him, and then he just, you could tell he was trying to curl it into the, the far corner, and um, I don't know if it landed in the stadium or not, but it was well over um, what anything that was going to happen. That was a bit frustrating because I was hoping we were going to be able to uh, you know, put something away there. Um, but moving on to the first kind of disallowed goal, um, once again, we have kind of just, it seemed like just one ball over the top, uh, gun coming out, caught out, um, and, and and Jimenez is in and kind of walks into the goal. And luckily, I guess, it VAR says, VAR says no goal and the handball and the buildup. And I don't know, man, I thought that was, that was pretty harsh in terms of, uh, does it hit his hand? Yes. Uh, well, I, I actually, I don't think hit the, the goal being called off was harsh. I thought him getting booked for it was harsh, um, but I'm not going to complain because it was, it went again, it went for us. So um, from, from your perspective, I was, that, I don't know if that was going away from you or coming towards you, but what were your thoughts as that kind of goal unfolded? Well, 
<laughs> from my personal point of view, when that ball went into the back of the net, I immediately went downstairs, got into the into the restroom, kind of the, the men's, and then I hear over the announcement, goal disallowed. Ah, oh, great. Okay, then we get we get a sort of reprise on this. But uh, I think it's also worrying that every time Gunn comes off his line, you're holding your breath. It's a worrying concern to see that every time. Um, you know, we've seen him being caught out twice or three times this season. And then, yeah, as you say, it's, it's one ball over the top. It's Vestergaard that, that is, I guess, culpable a little bit here, but not wholly as culpable as the Burnley game at the very start of the season. But, you know, we've got away with it to, to some extent. It is a handball. It is by the letter of law. Uh, but, you know, just one ball over the top, that is, that is uh, a fragility. Yeah, it, it seems something that would be so simple. Like most, you know, League One, League Two teams, save, save one that I won't mention, uh, you know, seem to be able to deal with with long balls over the top. You just head it back into the midfield, or you know, do something like that. And we can't seem to to figure that part of it out. And the the communication between uh, our goalkeeper and our backline, and that maybe a maybe it's a result of of the backline constantly shifting. And the the you know, we we've gone from a, a back four to a back three. Uh, we've we've shifted those center backs around uh, more times than I would like. And maybe that's the communication issue that that's there. But you still think that in training you have played football for long enough you should have some idea who's doing what uh when the ball goes long and um we also have to be aware of that because that's what teams are going to do to us because we are you know a a decent pressing side we a lot of these teams that we're going to play as we get to to the people that are further down the table aren't going to be able to play through the press um and so that that long ball over the top is going to be something that that is going to be um we're going to have to learn how to deal with it. Otherwise, uh, we're going to be uh, in a world of hurt uh, when we when we are coming up against teams that we should be beating and we won't be able to simply because they'll have uh, pumped a ball over the top and our goalkeeper will you know punch our defender in the face and then the other guy will walk it in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a worrying concern as well. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we, we all respect sort of Ralph's philosophy. You know, he wants players sort of under the age of 24, but equally that is also fragility. You know, we, as I say, you know, again, kind of, we're missing that leadership. We're missing that person to to give responsibility, to make sure that responsibility is taken for a marker, is taken for a tackle, that bravery. You know, if we were to say, let's have Danso, Bednarak and uh, Gunning go, I think the average age of that back three there would be about, what, 21, 22 years old? Yeah, something Gun, like that. Gun 22, Bednarak 22 himself, but Danso 20, 21. So, yeah, I mean, those are our three best defenders, uh, three best, uh, well, let's say the two two best central defenders but equally you know sometimes we see Yoshida in this and he doesn't offer too much of that leadership or in that capacity you know he's one of the oldest kind of now in in the squad but we still haven't seen that leadership qualities kind of kind of rule the roost if you like so we've 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 missed a beat in 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 the summer trying to uh you know attract a, a, a an experienced central defender and I think that should be something uh, that we should explore in January. Otherwise, we could see ourselves in, in all kinds of trouble. And, and this is the thing. I think we need to sort of swallow our pride a little bit here just to kind of accommodate this sort of transfer. We need an experienced defender, a leader a leader at the back, a leader of men. You know, we haven't had that sort of character in the, in the camp since Jose Font or sort of Van Dyke to some extent before he started uh, throwing his toys out of the pram. So yeah. those are the types of characters and, and leaders we really need in our defence. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I would say that getting getting saved by VAR, that, you know, I always hope that it's going to be some sort of, of impetus to kind of kick on. And we had a decent spell of possession kind of in the middle of the half. We didn't get anything from it. Um, 
and we did have another chance kind of created. Uh, Redmond had the ball at his feet, did some wonderful work to get by a few players and get into space. Um, but I think just held the ball too long. And we're, I think, just always that last, maybe it's not the last decision, but it's the decision right before that. Uh, we get that wrong too often. Uh, we can't make the right decision. We can't find that pass that's going to um, allow somebody to get a shot away. And we're just a, a little bit too hesitant, or maybe in Redmond's case, it's a little bit too much of, he feels like he has to do more of it himself because he was, you know, that's what we want him to do. We want him to carry the ball and, and, and guys are going to make mistakes um, going forward. And that's, that's part of what you want your creative players to do is to try things. And, and we're not always going to be happy with how it works out. But um, anyway, I mean, Bertrand winds up hitting, hitting the side netting, I think at one point, and that was uh, a decent chance. Um, and I think we also, uh, I think Ings may have lost it out for a goal kick at one point. And, and the, we were, we were attacking a little bit better. And, and for all of our, um, you know, being saved by VAR not once but twice, and we'll get to the second one in a minute. But uh, overall, I think the first half, I think we played a little bit better than than they were. I think we, uh, I wasn't overly disappointed with how the game was going, although I was conflicted about what I was seeing, kind of on the pitch. So, uh, if we get to the second uh, disallowed goal, uh, I have written in my notes because I was actually taking paper notes because um, I was a mess. Uh, so it says. It says, just has written here, like absolute nightmare in front of goal, uh, pulled apart too easily. Jimenez kind of gets by Benderak way too easily. First shot is saved, but Gunn doesn't doesn't get it far enough away. I mean, I thought I thought initially on the on the initial shot he did decent enough to get that ball uh, out of uh, to make the save, I guess. But uh, mm-hmm. looking back at it, it didn't it didn't get far enough away from the front of the goal. Uh, we're slow to the rebound, and that's one of those things when the shot went everybody kind of turned and looked and said like, Oh, I hope he saves it. And then nobody's there to Vestergaard reacts, but way too late. Uh, ball winds up in the back of the net. And, uh, once again, saved by VAR. And I, I, uh, I didn't see that one coming. I thought, I thought that was it for us. Well, I think in the build up to that as well, both the body shapes of the defenders of probably all three of them, Vestergaard, Yoshida and Bednar, they're in the opposite direction of the runner. You know, if you look back in the replay, if you slow it down a little bit, uh, Yoshida's body shape is, is totally all, all wrong here. Vestergaard is at six and sevens. Don't know where he's coming or going like the hokey Kirky. And then again, we're, we're slow to react for the rebound. And, uh, you know, once again, let off by VAR, who I think we all should start having our, 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 our name, VAR printed on the back of our replica shirts this season. Maybe uh, next time we do the lock screen at Southampton, you know, we do the lock screen, whatever, <laughs> just put VAR and see how that works. I wonder yeah, if he'll VAR, do it. VAR, VAR 19, I think, will be a bestseller in the, in the club shop. We should do that. I, I'm never awake when those things come out. I get up and everybody's already done. And uh, so, so hopefully somebody will do it. And, and the guys at the, at the that run the social media accounts tend to to be pretty good sports. So hopefully they they get on that and they'll they'll do that. But um, I guess going into stoppage time for in the first half, um, you know, if we just a couple more chances. I think that's where Bertrand hit the side netting. Hoiberg had a sh- another chance, but uh, he earned Cody yellow card just from that pressing and, and having the their defense kind of be fragile and. I don't know. I think this is one of those first times that I've seen um, you could see the weakness in the other team's defense as well. And despite the shape and despite the the number of defenders, they were not 100% comfortable. And, and our team actually going forward and pressing those guys and, and forcing those mistakes, forcing them to make those, those passes and, and try to play out um, that I think that worked to our advantage again. And, and it was just unfortunate that we didn't have anybody or the shots that we created, the chance we created uh, weren't quite enough to be able to actually, uh, get us in the goal, but uh, coming out for the second half, um, Ings, I, I think for the first time in the match was kind of played in by Wolves. Um, not enough power in the shot, though. Great job to kind of get the shot away and, and, and be alert, but 
but nothing uh, to really trouble uh, Patricio at all. Um, but then in the 53rd minute, I think that's I think that's when we score. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you highlight the first opportunity, he will be kicking himself that he didn't use that chance properly. Uh, you know, I think he, he even had time to take another touch, maybe take it round the defender and put it away. But, you know, fair play to him. Uh, sort of worked himself hard into a good position. You know, he gets the ball from Hoiberg, who intercepts it sort of in the final third. Uh, a terrible ball from Wolves, but we'll take it. You know, Ings is quite smart here as well. He plays the, he plays the run across Bolly, who, if he contacts Ings, it's going down for a penalty. But, you know, you've got to, you've got to uh, applaud Danny Ings here. The composure, he takes a little glance up at the goalkeeper, sees where he, he's coming out and just puts the ball away nice and neatly, coolly in the opposite corner. You know, fourth, fourth game in a row he's scored. Uh, and, you know, great work from the lad and, and hopefully it still continues. And, and, and finally, it looks like we've got a, a goal scorer that is regularly going for us, you know. And Danny Ings is really starting to become this sort of talismanic type of figure uh, and, and working himself hard. And I think it was for the first time in, in, in a while that he's actually finished 90 minutes yesterday. That's not the norm for Ings. He, he normally comes off, and granted, it's been later and later with uh, how long Ralph has has held the substitutions in recent weeks. But, um, you know, I I think, I don't know when we will stop worrying about Danny Ings' fitness and, and worry about him staying fit, um, even though... I think it's just when you have a history of injuries, that's what people are going to do. And it's what I'm going to worry about because I want him to be on the pitch. And if he, that means he's on the pitch for 75 minutes a match in, in he lasts all season versus 90 minutes a match for half the season. I think I'd take the 75 and, and be around all season, but uh, you're right. It's four in a row. Um, he has played well. He's done all of the kind of things and it's his intelligence. And if you look at the, the goals that he scored, he hasn't, um, you know, I wouldn't say any of them are super glorious, but there's all these little tiny things that he does just right that that don't get picked up uh, necessarily by the cameras, you know, that that lead to the goals. And I think that's that that's what that's what we're missing. Uh, and guys like Che Adams, who can do all of the running and look really good on on tape, you know, because you're uh, or on TV, I guess, because uh, you look like you're trying hard and you're holding up the ball and you're running into the channel and all this stuff. And that's all stuff that we we, we want. But it's just those little things that maybe go uh, more unnoticed that Danny Ings seems to be really, really good at. Um, and additionally, he got himself into really good shape. I think people have said it over and over, uh, kind of over the summer. And I've said it before too. It's, you know, he's down in LA doing this work and, and guys like Redmond were out here in, in the, in the past as well. And, um, they look like they are in really good shape, uh, versus, uh, maybe what they were in the past. And it's not, um, any, any sort of slight on, on what they were doing before, but I think just kind of developing all those little stabilizing muscles and things like that and getting them both mentally and physically ready for the season, uh, to, so their bodies hold up, I think is, is, is wonderful. So, um, there, there we go. Um, but once again, I, I just want to point out that's a, that's another mistake by, uh, I think it was Vallejo who, who, mm-hmm. who was there. And I think also Cody was there for a uh, guilty for it as well. The ball should just be cleared. Uh, no, we're, no, 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 no problem at all. And, uh, you know, finally somebody else makes a mistake and we can capitalize on it. So there we go. Um, I have written in my notes again, um, now that we're ahead, it don't change the approach. Keep things the same. Keep pressing. That that back line looks so vulnerable uh, for so much of the match, and yet um, almost immediately uh, we give away a penalty. And this is, uh, as you as you mentioned before, one of the first times that VAR has gone maybe against us. Um, I, 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 what are your thoughts on it? Let me hear, let me hear your thoughts, and then I'll kind of weigh in on as to what I was thinking as it was happening. Okay, so before we get to the penalty, uh, yeah, I think we have to uh, give credit to Danny Ings' work rate off the ball. You know, he's a very intelligent player. You know, drops deep, works himself into the ground, and as you say, he's worked 
hard in the summer to make sure he has a consistent fitness. And I think a key word I also picked up there just a moment ago, you know, he's doing these tiny little things. And I think that is really what he is fed off at the moment, tiny scraps. And if he's scoring goals from these positions from scraps, just imagine what he can score uh, with actual chances with a playmaker, bringing the ball back into him and scoring goals and bouncing ideas off him as well. So credit to Danny Ng scoring four goals in a row and mostly which what have been scraps. Uh, right, penalty. Second half, yeah. I mean, the lead didn't last long, did it? Uh, was it about eight minutes, seven minutes? Uh, clumsy defending once again. There were two opportunities to, uh, to, to clear the ball. And at first, you know, I'll tell you what, I argued with Nick in the pub after the game yesterday. It, 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 it was a penalty, is what I argued. And then I sort of took a look at it again this morning after a couple more replays. And the close-up sort of reverse camera angle does suggest that Doherty really swings his leg around the back of Hoiberg to try and find the foul. Uh, very surprised that Doherty didn't try it earlier on whilst Yoshida was on the floor. You know, sort of Hoiberg tries to track him across. But, you know, it's... You get, how, how can we allow a, an attacker to get that so far up the box into almost what is the six-yard line to try and pull it across? So we've got to take more responsibility of it. And, you know, clumsy, I guess, at the, at the end of the day. But Doherty here is, is definitely uh, guilty of watching uh, some divers that you would see going straight into the swim pool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the Summer Olympics, are they coming up soon? I'm not sure, but maybe we'll, uh, we'll get them on the team. You know, Ireland's uh, diving team will be good next year. There you go. Uh, <laughs> I would say though that he had a lot of chances to go down, you know, I, and I think that's what I tweeted is he had a number of chances to, to potentially find contact and go down. And I think he was looking for it. And I would say it is a penalty. I think there is a little bit of contact there. And the, the angle that the referee has, I think if you look at, at bodies flying in there, trying to, trying to get to the ball, um, you see the guy go down, you're probably going to give it. And I think if he doesn't give it, then it's not going to be overturned and given as a penalty. I think that's one of those instances where VAR is just, there's not enough evidence there to overturn it. And I think it got worse as you slowed it down. I think once they, they went to the replay, um, the more times they showed it in slow motion, the more times I thought it was a penalty. Whereas uh, at first glance and in, in the run of play, it looked like he went, he just went down too easily. But, um, and I, I think that's one of those things where it's not going to be per, a perfect system. I think VAR is going to, to uphold that. Um, and then, uh, you know, Jimenez puts the penalty away, uh, almost to the point I thought, I thought he stopped in the run up and I thought, I, I thought it was going to, you know, hopefully we'll get lucky there, but, um, I guess, I guess you can't win them all that way. Yeah. Gun goes the right way, doesn't he? But it almost looks like he's been watching a bit of Fraser Force's highlight reel going down a bit in slow motion, you know, but, uh, uh, you know, Jimenez, I think, yeah, I think he probably wanted to get that monkey off his back, denied twice earlier in the game. And I think it is a fair result at the end of the day, 1-1. I think there weren't too many clinical opportunities to, to, to really sort of extend the lead and point on the road. We'll stop the rot. Uh, and Wolves is always a, a sort of tough place to go on the back of their two great wins um, you know, sort of two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. I, I think all of us would have taken a point to, be, to begin with. And, and especially, uh, I think they had come back late on in games uh, recently. I think against City and, and maybe Palace. I could be wrong in, in saying that, but they, the fact that we, I mean, they they haven't had the best of seasons. Granted, they've been they've been dealing with uh, the Europa League as well, but um, I think I think we we can be pretty happy with with the point overall. Even if we didn't get the formation we wanted, we didn't get the personnel we wanted, we didn't necessarily uh, play defensively steadily. Uh, our goalkeeper made a couple of errors again, and so you have all of these things that kind of add up. But at the end of the day, we got out of there with a point, and and that's what we need. Points are important. Points are valuable. Uh, point on the road in the Premier League is nothing to to kind of sneeze at. Um, although we've been much better on the road than we have we have at home. 
Yeah, what is it? Uh, sort of about, about 10 points now, nine points on the road. And, and, you know, we are playing without pressure away from home. You know, I have to say yesterday, we're also away uh, sort of section. Uh, you know, there were there were pockets of vocal supports, but it's difficult to because of the position of where we were in the ground. We're all in the sort of lower sort of a deck, if you know, a lower tier, which stretched all across the edge of the pitch. So it was quite difficult to get songs going, you know. It, Often we're but we're behind goals in, in actually I think all all nineteen other Premier League rounds we are even in the corner or sort of together in one kind of capacity behind the goal etc. But this is a difficult away end because if I was sat sort of along the centre line and I could hear sort of pockets of support trying to give it a, get a song going on the far side on my on my right hand side on your left on the on the TV screen and then equally like I could sort of hear sort of people trying to start chants on the far right or sort of far left of me and right on your TV set so difficult to and uh, it was quite funny though because uh, whatever uh, uh, a group of supporters were trying to sing on my left or right there was a chap in front of me that had no idea he was trying to sing his own songs in in the wrong uh, tone and rhythm and wrong pace and it was totally all over the place so uh, you know difficult away end difficult to get some unity and some some all, all together songs I think maybe only twice the whole sort of section broke out in with uh, Oh When the Saints and uh, so a point in the road Wolverhampton, uh, not the greatest of away ends, but we can't can't really grumble too much, to be honest, which is a, a strange one, if you like, because we've had plenty to grumble over the last sort of four weeks. Yeah, I mean, I think you mentioned the fan base being a little bit uh, not quite on the same page. I think that's that's indicative of, of us on social media and elsewhere. It seems like we mm-hmm. are constantly arguing with one another, and, and there's a difference between having a different opinion and expressing that different opinion and, and just arguing with people for the sake of, uh, of trying to get your, your point across or, or trying to bring other people down. It's, it's a little bit disappointing, but at the same time, I think that's what's going to happen, especially when people are getting frustrated and um, you know, we should be able to criticize the play of the team, uh, the manager, those things. It's, it, I, you know, that that's the way it, it is. But um, sometimes people just uh, don't, don't quite approach it the right way, maybe for, for everybody. And you're, we're not, you're not going to make everybody happy with the, uh, with what you say. Um, I'm sure as you and I both know, having done this sort of stuff before, um, I'm sure that'll happen today. Um, anyway, um, I have in my notes that after the 75th minute when Buffal came in for Valerie, uh, that I didn't write anything down for 10 minutes. So I wrote that I haven't written anything down. I was uh, struggling to find some sort of note to put in there. Um, nothing there, but, um, you know, I, I, I think the, as the game wound down, uh, I can't remember us being super troubled. I also can't remember us really, uh, creating a clear kind of opportunity to, to, to potentially win the match. And, um, I guess we can talk about the substitutions there. I mean, the first sub, I think we only used two yesterday, unless I'm, unless I'm, uh, not able to read a computer screen, which the, the fog is wearing off. So I think I'm all right. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I mean, two substitutions, one in the 75th, one in the 81st, we bring on a, a defender for Romeo, uh, after we pull off, uh, uh, Valerie for, for Buffon. That meant that James were shifted back a little bit to, uh, to right wing back for a minute. But, um, I mean, you have issues with the, the substitutions that were there given, uh, kind of what the game looked like and, and were we maybe a little bit hesitant to go try to win it, uh, with that second substitution? Or do you think that was, that was the right approach from Ralph? Yeah. Again, questions, conf- confusion around stance. Once again, sort of replacing a, uh, an, a defender for an attacker for them for a midfielder to go to defense. It's all over the place. It's a bit like the old sort of twister board game. You know, you got right, left, pink, left foot, green. You know, it's all over the place at the moment. Uh, and when Dancer replaced Romain, we thought, okay, so Oriol has been given the protection. I thought I've got to highlight his his support again yesterday. Oriol Romain sort of doing the, doing the dirty work, busy in midfield. And 
I don't think sort of Walprouse and, and, and Hoiberg will be able to offer that much sort of protection as as, as much as Oriol. So we thought Danso might even want to slip in at centre midfield, sort of alongside Hoiberg, try that position. But he goes over to right back. He's not that position. He's a tall, strapping lad, strong uh, player at centre back. So I think we finished to the end of the game yesterday with four centre backs and a couple of players out position. And uh, you know, I guess the most thing people are grumbling about once again uh, is that is the late substitutions. By the time we made our first, Wolves had made all three. You know, partly down to circumstances and two injuries they picked up in the first half, but they they looked a bit more uh, a bit more organised, sort of a being more a bit more proactive. And this is the thing that sort of we all sort of grumbled and moaned about, complained about Mark Hughes's late substitutions. We sort of saw him as a as a reactive manager rather than a proactive manager. You know, we all trust Ralph, but I think we've got to see more of that kind of risk sort of a highlighted. At changing the shape more often because I think he settled quite well with a five at the back yesterday and I think it's it's a game of kind of uh, battleships if you like I don't know sort of a strategic kind of thing if if he took one player off at defence he might we might have exposed ourselves to something else but it was very much a stalemate and I think both as you say both both clubs neither kind of threatened in that second half but um, I think Ings. Isolated a little bit up top. Redmond didn't offer too much at all. Very quiet game for him yesterday. And, uh, you know, I think when we go to the game on Friday with Leicester, I think uh, Leicester have got all the sort of uh, capacity to come down here and take a victory, which is quite concerning because we could get all the way to November without a home win. Yeah, uh, we'll just have to watch, um, you know, whatever. Maybe we can create a fake Instagram account with uh, some potential tactical changes uh, and then we'll see if they get sleek to the sun before the game on Friday. I am I'm a little bit worried about about that match. Um, Jamie Vardy always worries me. Uh, going back to uh, remember, I think he's the guy who really put Van Dyke out for a while. That really kind of hurt us going down the stretch uh, that season. A uh, little kick to the Achilles there, a little step. Um, but I I am worried. You think about Leicester City and, and the kind of football they played when they won the Premier League. It was a lot of long balls over the top. It was a lot of Jamie Vardy running into the channel. And when you think about the things that we really struggle with. I mean, here we go. This could be a nightmare, but um, I'm hoping we're a little bit better than that going there. Um, I do want to ask one more thing before we get to uh, we have a couple of listener questions, not not a ton. Um, the, it kept coming up yesterday on the commentary. Uh, 31 points dropped from winning positions since the start of 2018, 2019. I think it's it's somewhere in, in that range. And that's a lot. But this season, I mean, is that is that fair to bring up or is it just that that's the easy commentator to statistic to bring up? And, uh, you know, is that is that fair to, to levy on the team this season, given uh, our results and how we played? No, what nine games played, one game lost from a winning position. That's two points dropped. Uh, I think most teams uh, have probably dropped that in, in the league so far this season. Yeah, it, it was starting to get concerning when, when we do start to drop more than sort of 20 points. But I think it, 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 we can only judge the season after a sort of 10 or 15 games as the league is starting to create a bit of a formation. And uh I think you know we're partly let down by by some of our performances, and I think it is a bit. Uh, I mean, it's hor- historical context. I think we've got to judge our our results on this season. You know, put to bed last season's results and inabilities, and then we've got to start living for the future. Stop looking at the past. A bit like that club down the road who keep telling us that we've won this, we've won that. So put it behind you. Look forward. You know what they didn't win yesterday or uh, Saturday was their game, which, which um, was great. Ah, fantastic. <laughs> Uh, you know, if if you were disappointed at all with our result, that should have just made you smile in and of itself, you know. Um, but there we go. Um, 
I do want to say uh, Bertrand was booked late on. Um, and you were mentioning uh, mentioning Twister earlier, and I think uh, Bertrand went two feet yellow, uh, and I was a little surprised it wasn't two feet red. Um, thought it could have been much worse. It was a little bit high, um, but uh, you know he gets he gets a yellow. Um, whatever they didn't score, we move on. We go out with a point. Like I said before, I think that's totally totally fine. Um, not not the greatest of of matches, and this is one of those. This is probably one of those matches that I hate to talk about the most because there's there's no obvious real talking point other than you know VAR and the mistake. And like, do you do you want to talk about that for for an hour? Do you want to listen to that for an hour? I don't know. Um, but it, it always worries me that we're gonna we miss something. But I don't think I think we covered the the main points, right? Mm, I think so. I think. You know, it's, it was a, a game sort of largely without incident, uh, apart from the, the VAR decisions. But I think tactically, yeah, a, a game largely without uh, uh, sort of headlines, if you like. I think most of it will be dominated by the VAR decisions again for us. So we've got to we've got to try and get this VAR lads on a permanent deal in 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 January. Yeah, yeah. Uh, get him in. <laughs> Seems like he's on loan so far. Yeah, and it'll, it'll be uh, you know he's definitely under the twenty four. Uh, year age limit. Um, although he hasn't come through our academy, uh, hopefully uh, we'll work him into the first team relatively quickly, uh, and he won't make any mistakes in the back line. So um, <laughs> that's good. Uh, a couple of questions from from listeners here. Um, the in that number podcast, uh, who are at numbers podcast. You've been on the show. I think. Are you currently winning the? the uh the the quiz or or did somebody overtake you in recent weeks uh i think uh yeah top of matt the quiz which is one of their features on on their show yeah um i have to i have to admit they told me hey you know we're gonna we're gonna roll out the quiz with you and i was like cool i will be top of the leaderboard you know for at least once but i was listening to some of the questions in in the weeks after that and i would have been so close to the bottom uh, on a lot of those. I think they, I think they, 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 they went easy on me. So I appreciate that guys. Uh, so anyway, uh, their question here is a easy one, right? Uh, what's our best formation? And then a nice emoji uh, going after that with the tongue sticking out. So, um, I mean, I think best, it, it really depends. I, I think if you, it, like we talked about earlier, the, the, the guys that we have, the players that are in the squad, there's only so much you can do. And if you, you, you try the four two 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 and it doesn't quite work. And you try the four three three and it looks good against uh, a league one side and not against a Premier League side. Then you have to go back to something else. And uh, we have the three five two or three four three, whatever one of those positions it is. But it seems like like three at the back is going to be uh, a part of our lives for for the foreseeable future until we get really two standout center backs uh, that are there. And and I would argue that one of the guys that's been our most consistent center back and, and earned all of the the starts under under Ralph has been Benderak and he's got mm. a, a couple of errors leading to goals this season. He, he, he got into somebody's, you know, biggest flop of the season uh, ranking on, on Twitter. And that's just absolute garbage. It's just solely looking at errors leading to goals. I think is how they, that, that came up with. But um, I mean, I think, I think it's going to wind up being some sort of three at the back system, even though it's not my favorite. I think that's what we're going to wind up playing kind of going forward. Yeah. I think we're compensating something here. If we're playing three central defenders that still don't know what they're doing, uh, perhaps three heads will make one if you like. Uh, but I think Bednarak, yeah, a great, great sort of performer last season, but he was statistically the worst performing defender in the Premier League up until sort of this game week. Uh, three errors leading to goals. Uh, but again, a bit like Danso, a bit like Valerie, young lads, still a long way to go. So we've got to give him a bit of time, a bit of uh, freedom to kind of make those mistakes, make sure they don't happen again. Formation, difficult one. You know, uh, Ralph was so desperate to play this 4 2 2 2. Uh, a, a sort of 
formation, but we haven't, we've rarely seen much of it. And I think it's partly down to, to trying to figure out what the other opposition is playing. And uh, we've seen them play this 4-3-3. Uh, and historically, we've had a lot of success with that, uh, it, whether you see it as a 4-3-3 or a 4-2-3-1, uh, which is what we sort of used on the march to to Europe and, and, the, and the preceding sort of a uh, season. So I think if, the way that I look at it, uh, we, as I say, you know, we've got to play square pegs in square holes. We've got plenty of options now in, in most areas. We've got an abundance of attacking threats. And it's just, we're just struggling to kind of fit them all in. I think if you've got to look at it right now, I would play a, a sort of a 4-3-3 with a, a, a goalkeeper of, of Alex McCarthy, a, you know, a chance for him to kind of return to the team right back of, of but let's say that all our defenders and all our players are, are fit. I think it mostly picks itself. Cedric, Bednarak, Danso, uh, Bertrand, two midfielders in uh, Hoiberger and, and Romeo, midfield attacking trio of uh, Redmond. Uh, well, it might might be a bit of an unpopular opinion here, but Buffal and Gineppo and then Ings up front. What what a sort of attacking threat that could be. Oh yeah, that's that's a lot going there. That's just, it's also not a lot of holding up the ball or uh, yeah. maybe dropping deep to help out. But um, I'd argue you know you could you could potentially keep those guys all in there like that. I think that's totally fine. If everybody's healthy, uh, you could also slip Armstrong in there. If you're going to play a four, two, three, one, you can play him in the kind of that 10 role. I think that would be okay too. Although that's not, he's not, he's not nearly as dynamic as some of those other guys. So, uh, mm. I, I think, I think Redmond and Buffal in the lineup together, that's dangerous. I think Genevo, um, hopefully he comes back healthy soon. Uh, it, it's always worrying with the muscle injury, you know, you never know what it's going to be there. And, and Ralph has mentioned he feels fine up until he shoots. And then when he shoots, it hurts. Uh, and that's not great. So because uh, we want him to shoot because that's something uh, we need <laughs> if, if we're going to score any any goals. So, um, you know, there we go. Um, yeah. Uh, one Another one here from from St. Kevin, who's at Moscow Mush. Uh, it was actually one of the guys from uh, the In That Number podcast, although I'm pretty sure it's different people asking the questions based on the timestamp here. Um, yeah. It says, why aren't we seeing any youngsters in the first team this season? And that was one of those things last season where it seemed like when Ralph came in, he really shook mm. the team up a little bit. He he was testing guys almost, uh, saying, Cedric, you know, you're, you're, you've had this kind of maybe an attitude issue or something else, but uh, off you go. Valerie, we'll put Valerie in. We have no problem with that. And, you know, I, I think to Cedric's credit, he's, he's responded the right way to that. Uh, he's come back now and, and is ready and fighting for his spot. And uh, injury aside, I think he would have been in the team yesterday. Um, but but other than that, we haven't seen anybody really cycle through. And granted, Danzo is young and we bought him, but we bought him for, as a first team player. We didn't buy him as an academy product to, to bring him through. Uh, Adam, same thing. We, he was bought to be a first team player. So uh, is it concerning to you, I guess, at all that we haven't had anybody from uh, the under 23 squad come up and really make an impact? Well, he had plenty of opportunities, didn't he? So he was trying to find his feet when he, when he took the, the reins rough uh, back in December you know, gave opportunities to Slattery, Valerie, uh, albeit Valerie had just broke into the first team the week before against Man United under Mark Hughes. Uh, and, you know, we've seen sort of Ramsey, we saw Nlondulu sort of make appearances as well. So they, they seem to be sort of uh, performing well for the under 23. So I think we're waiting just, just for a right opportunity to throw him in there and almost sort of throw a bit of a curveball at the opposition. You know, we've seen Josh Sims be, become that character sometimes, you know, was playing at the last time we played Wolves and since now been shipped out to New York, which is, um, you know, sort of sad to see because Josh Sims offers that dynamic sort of directness, you know, at the defenders. And uh, I think it's only a matter of time, but uh, I think we've, we've still got a bit of a bloated squad. 
at the moment. You know, I think it was a bit of a fresh start for most people. We've seen Buffal return, Cedric return in the, in the summer. So perhaps it is limiting their first team opportunities for for the youngsters now. Yeah, I think it's always going to be hard for guys to get into the team, especially without some sort of injury. I think that's usually where it comes from. It's I think if if you saw an injury and you have a player that can slot into that spot where maybe you can change the formation as a result and you bring somebody in, I think that's when it happens. But as you said, the squad is big. We're not, we don't have that many matches to play at the moment. We're not kind of impacted. So the the rotation necessarily isn't there. So uh, I think that's, that's at least part of the reason. And um, I don't think it's that Ralph doesn't trust the youth or doesn't uh, find them to be valuable. But I think right now, uh, I, I think that's, it's just the the fixtures we have and, and the size of the squad that we have a lot of first team players that are fighting to get into the match day squad that aren't. Um, and I'm sometimes in danger of forgetting about them if they're not there for a couple of weeks. But I, I want to highlight actually sort of Ralph's uh, approach to this sort of thing. Uh, he, he gives uh, sort of opportunities to players when someone is suspended or, or, or injured, but then it become, they then sort of become sort of first teamers until they get suspended or they get injured. And then the next person sort of replaces him. So it's a bit of a, Bit of a, a sort of a revolving door sort of system. I mean, I think that if somebody came in and, and put their stamp on it and just said, like, took the game by the horns and played just, you know, I'm not talking like a six and a half out of ten performance twice. I'm talking like seven and a half, eight, and that's hard to do. But if they came in and did that as a young player and then got an injury or got suspended, I think they would be brought back in. But I think if you come in and you're putting in sixes like everybody else, you know, what, what's the reason that Ralph's going to pick you? You know, you have to kind of earn that spot and take that chance. And it's harsh, but that's the way that it works for all of these guys. They've all had breaks like that where they've been given a chance and they've been able to impress enough to, to get to where they're at now. Um, so, and so they're going to have to do that, I think, to get out of that, that youth squad and into the first team. Otherwise, they, they'll be, uh, you know, uh, coming in here and there. And, and, and other than that, playing on a lot of Friday nights, I guess. Mm, yeah, I think... Um... We've, we've plenty, got plenty of options now, uh, but whether it is a, a, an extension of sort of quality, uh, whether we have enough quality to fill in those gaps and whether we've not got enough sort of star quality to turn the, the game on its head and sort of have game changes in Gineppo and, and sort of Buffal. So uh, is the quality there in the youngsters at the moment? I wouldn't say so because we're still trying to compensate for the errors that we made almost 10 years ago. And we were invited to a couple of evenings down at Staplewood where the academy director spoke about their approach and their and their uh, recruitment, if you like. And often it is a 10-year process. So they would recruit these youngsters at the age of sort of, you know, eight or nine, 10 years old, uh, and then sort of develop them into sort of first-teamers. Uh, so the prime example would that be, would be sort of, a, at the moment would be Callum Slattery or even sort of James Ward-Prowse, who had been with the squad since he was about seven or eight years old. And we're compensating because obviously we fell into administration in about 2009-10. Uh, we, we couldn't obviously recruit these youngsters. That's why we're now seeing sort of a, a, a recruitment of players that are from other academies, right. from overseas, such as Jan Valerie, who who signed sort of about a year or two ago for just about £50,000. And now is a first team I work probably 100 times that value or 1,000 times that value. So we're still, we're still atoning for errors made for 10 years ago. So give us another five or six years that's how long the cycle works and we'll have some sort of star quality emerge through the through the academy once again yeah i think it will all come good at some point and uh one last question here and maybe we should uh i don't know if we have time to discuss ross wilson uh his departure um but uh we have one more question here from saint mary's pirate uh who you know quite well uh, at oh, pirate yeah, well. underscore st he says why am i more interested in the bundesliga and i would say um 
I don't know, maybe cheaper tickets, cheaper beer, louder fans, um, you know, just just different rules in terms of what the fans are allowed to do. And uh, the fact that maybe it's maybe just something a little bit new and uh, you got guys flying in with karate kick tackles all over the place. So I think that's that might be it. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a different um, uh, uh, atmosphere, isn't it, over in Germany? Uh, a different culture. Uh, you know, it's illegal to watch. It's illegal to drink with in the view of the pitch in the UK, uh, and partly that might be down to why there's such a great atmosphere here in, uh, in in German football. Yeah, we need more. Uh, I don't know. Do you need more flares? You need more more uh, tifo banners or whatever they're called. I mean, I, those things that I don't tend to see those as often in in England as I do watching any other league it seems like um even in america when they try people laugh but um it seems like in germany and in italy and other places uh you get a lot of those things that uh are i guess just part of the game and kind of um they're every week kind of things and in england it seems that uh, we don't have that as much but i don't know i don't know what that's down to or why that is um i'm no expert on the history of those things so i won't pretend to be yeah, um, I think the Saints voice have also been uh, in trying to generate a conversation about how we can generate atmosphere in in, in the ground at the moment. Uh, we've painted the back walls red, red, red and white. And, uh, you know, they were asking about sort of scarves, banners, just to introduce a bit of identity in the, in the football ground at the moment. I think we, we've lost a little bit of that over the, over the years and we're slowly sort of trying to introduce uh, these sort of things to the, to, the, to the stadium at the moment. Well, I think sometimes if you build a generic stadium, you tend to get generic atmosphere and there's not much you can do about it. Um, and maybe that's, maybe that's part of, it. I think, uh, you hear a lot of people who were able to go to the Dell talk about, uh, how horrible it was, but also, uh, that maybe the atmosphere was a bit, a bit, a bit better. Um, mm. but I don't know, that's arguable. And, uh, I'll let people debate that, that were there. Cause, uh, obviously I was not, um, well, Freddie, I think that that'll do it uh, for today. But uh, thank you so much for coming on, putting up with the uh, you know the the stuffiness that is. I mean, I think I think last time you were on, maybe it was like that as well. But um, hopefully, we'll get over there soon, and we'll be able to do another live one, and uh, you know, enjoy some some beer together, and hopefully, uh, not a three 0 loss to West Ham away. But um, uh, I want to thank you again. If people want to follow you, and they don't already, I don't know why they wouldn't. Uh, you are at the Ugly Inside on Twitter and at the Ugly Inside nineteen eighty eight on Instagram. Uh, links to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, the YouTube channel, everything in the show notes uh, for everybody who's interested. And uh, Freddie, uh, thanks again for doing this. I always appreciate it. No problem. Happy to be here. Maybe we better start a crowdfunding so we can get you over here more often. Uh, that's, uh, thanks that's, for having me once again. We'll figure it out. Uh, it's just I, I start to look at tickets and then I go like, oh, I could do. You know, my daughter's like, oh, can we do this instead? And I'm like, yes. Yes, we can. Uh, you know, <laughs> apparently she wants to go to school and also like, you know, learn stuff and play sports. So I have to do that first, but uh, we'll, we'll, I'll be over there hopefully sooner rather than later, but uh, we'll, we'll figure it out. Maybe I'll wait till we start bringing through some youth team players and then I'll, I'll come see them. Great stuff. Yeah. Look forward to it, mate. All right, man. Thank you, Freddie. does it for this episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you've enjoyed it. I want to apologize again about my voice, the sound of it. It's irritating. It irritates you. I apologize. Uh, Maybe this isn't the show for you, but if it's just the sickness that irritates you, try again next week. Hopefully uh, I'm better by then. Uh, But special thanks to Freddie for holding it all together. If you want to get more from him, you can do that by following along on Twitter and Instagram. They are at The Ugly Inside on Twitter, at The Ugly Inside 1988 on Instagram. 
Uh, if you want more than that, you can get Saints on Saturday with the Ugly Inside on 103.9 Voice FM in the Southampton area. And if you're outside the area like me, uh, you can still get that by going to the link in the show notes where you can listen live to voicefmradio.co.uk. Uh, that will be that for you. So uh, get in touch with the Ugly Inside. Well worth it as usual. There are a number of ways to get in touch with this show as well. You can go to SouthamptonDelivery.com for links to the various audio platforms in case you have not subscribed yet so you don't miss future episodes. You can also get in touch on social media. We're at SFCDELL underscore IVERY on Twitter and Instagram and at Facebook.com forward slash SFCDelivery. There's no underscore in the Facebook address. Um, I do have some special thanks to those of you who sent in questions. I appreciate it. Please do that more. Uh, we always enjoy being able to answer your questions. We get to as many as we can. Uh, thank you to the partners of the show. Uh, the logo is done by Matt Beeling of the We Are Southampton page on Instagram and to Jay of the Southampton page. That's where you should go for all your Southampton FC news and needs. And he announced earlier this week that this will be his last season running the page. So uh, who has, Jay's been my partner for so long in this podcast journey that uh, it is sad to see him go, but it's good for him to move on. So uh, we have one more season. We'll finish strong. And uh, I can't wait to see what he does next. If you like the music for the show, it comes courtesy of the Free Music Archive at freemusicarchive.org. The intro song is Epic Song by Box Hat Games. And the intro show credits that you're listening to now, and it might actually be over, His Name is True by Pontington Bear. Lastly, thank you again for listening. Thank you to the patrons of the show who keep this thing going. If you are interested in becoming a patron, head on over to patreon.com forward slash SFC delivery and you too can check out what's going on over there. But uh, for now, that does it. We'll be back next week uh, after the Leicester game. Hopefully it all goes well, but we will see. So uh, home form, not the greatest since the start of the season or uh, dating back a couple of seasons now. But anyway, till then, remember together, we march on. That's my boss. He's going to be mad.